Ahoy there, mateys! It be me, Captain Chessbeard, and this be the 70th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. This be a zero episode, which means it be about the podcast, a great starting point for new listeners to learn what they need to learn in order to navigate the seven seas of the Tuesday Night Podcast. In this episode, that jellyfish-boned Sean McCoy joins Alan Gearding, and they get the landlubber Logan Jenkins from the B-Team to talk about himself. But before we get into it, let me ask ye wary listeners to please write in when ye can, share this podcast with others, and give us a review on iTunes. It be listeners like ye that allows listeners like ye to find this here podcast. In the spirit of the Zero episode, we asked our Tuesday names any episodes they would recommend to new listeners. Byron Morgan wrote in, and he said, My favorite episode is the Mother's Day one. I love hearing you guys play games on the podcast, but when you play Mind Meld with your mother, it was inspiring and hilarious. Just the comfort you have with guests is nice to listen to. You show that you truly love games and what you guys bring to the board game community. Paul Dean wrote in and said, This Valentine's episode, episode 69, is probably my favorite TKG podcast ever. That'd be Paul Dean from Shut Up and Sit Down, a previous guest here. Bill Tennant said, The episode with Ted Allspock. SBJ asked him all the questions that I could possibly think to ask him, and his answers were super cool. Thanks, Bill. Norco writes in, and Norco wrote, I've been trying to find the episode number, but I think it was a solo episode, and only Alan was there. I enjoyed what he had to say. I also liked the way the music has been mixed into some of the more serious discussions recently. They make me stop and think, that's cool. Thank ye for writing in, Norco, and the episode ye seek is episode 60. And I've taken up enough of your time, so let's hoist the mizzen, raise anchors, and set sail on this here episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. My back. I'm Alan Girding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast all about tabletop games you can play on or under your table. And random fact about me, number 19, used to be blind as a bat, received LASIK surgery. I guess blind as a bat is an exaggeration, but I have Sean with me. Did you really get LASIK? When was that? Yeah. No, I used to have glasses. I have a lot of quick story. My parents 
were almost neglectful because I didn't get my first pair of glasses until I was eight. And it was this teachers that kept on telling them, hey, you should really get your kid glasses because we're pretty sure he's having a really hard time seeing. No exaggeration, if I was sitting in the front row of desks, not only would I not be able to tell what time it was on the big clock, I wouldn't even know there was a clock there. So when I first got my first pair of glasses, I walk out of the optometrist, the eye doctor, and there's this big theater across the street from the eye doctor's office. And I say, whoa, ma, there's a theater across the street. (laughs) And she wept because she realized, oh, my God, I didn't realize my son was so blind. So I got LASIK surgery way back when LASIK surgery was totally new and experimental. Nice. We got it for a lot cheaper then than you can get it nowadays because they're like, well, we need some guinea pigs. So I step forward. Anyway, who are you, Sean? I'm Sean. I live in Dallas. And that other voice that we have with us is a member of the B team. It's Logan. Oh, fun fact about me. My eyes got bad enough that I got my first pair of glasses recently. So I have like the opposite story of you. Congratulations. (laughs) My eyesight's always been bad and I've just never gotten glasses. Hmm. I figured out. Everybody looks prettier this way. You can't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got the beer goggles without any alcohol. It's nice. Hey, you know what we're going to do? This is a zero episode, guys. You know what that means? That it's divisible by (laughs) ten. And five. episode is our chance to let new listeners have a launch pad of where they can chime in. So instead of having to go to episode one to figure out who the hell we are, we just say go back to a zero episode, any episode ending in the number zero, and we kind of tell you about who we are. So this isn't a review podcast. We definitely don't review tabletop games, but we definitely talk about tabletop games. Does that sound fair, guys? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we talk about tabletop. From time to time. For instance, our last episode was our pre-Valentine's episode, and we more talk about themes, topics inspired by games. The last one was most romantic gaming experiences. A lot of saxophones. Yeah. (laughs) There was. (laughs) I I try to make it funny with the saxophones, but I think this episode, we're going to cover a few things. The first thing I really want to do is use this zero episode to really get to know Logan so our listeners can know who Logan is. You have a game you've been playing that you're dying to talk about, Logan. What's that Uh, game? Gloomhaven, the best game ever. We'll talk about that. So let's start off, and I'll just say myself and Sean, we started a company named Tuesday Night Games. We made two rooms and a boom. We... Got in contact with Anthony Birch. We made Anthony Birch's World Championship Russian Roulette. And we currently have the first expansion for Two Rooms of a Boom on Kickstarter, Necroboomicon. But enough about Sean and myself. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Who is Logan? I uh, play a lot of board games. Unlike anybody else who's appeared on this show, I am not connected to the board game industry in any professional way. (laughs) I just like them a lot. Except you're on the B team, and when Sean and I can't make it, usually come in. We've learned that you're a good dancer through previous episodes. Yeah, well, insofar as dancing when a video game tells me how to. Right, because what was the game? Dance Central? Yeah, Dance Central. Although, if somebody's very good at Dance Central, it's very hard to tell the difference between that and dancing. 
have you ever gone to a club or where there's dancing and actually did some dance central routines? Not like the whole routine, but I've absolutely danced in all kinds of clubs with those moves that I learned. And 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 people were duly impressed. I'll I'll have you know. It's not like Guitar Hero. You can pick it up. You can display your skills. Yeah, rejecting is rejecting. You don't. It, you have to do it in front of a connect. It is actually doing that, and that's a very hard dance move. What's up? My name is Matt Stefanina, and today I'm going to teach you guys how to do the reject. We're going to start by turning sideways. We're going to start by picking our back foot up. From here, I'm going to jump the leg that I'm standing on forward. Then I'm going to fall back onto this foot, bringing my other knee up. This cycle just repeats over and over, taking the back leg, hopping forward, taking the knee that's up, and falling back. If you do that at the club, people will be like, oh damn, look at that guy doing the reject. <laughs> my girlfriend thinks I'm a good dancer and I'm not a good dancer. I think she just likes that I like to dance. I think it's endearing to Aww. her. Because a lot of guys, I guess maybe of my generation, I don't know, are very like, no, I don't dance. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Whereas like dancing at a wedding is super fun to me. Just cutting loose and pretending like Justin Timberlake. It's a good time. I think 90% of being good at dancing is enjoying dancing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because <laughs> my dancing story is I've been told by a couple of people that I'm a good dancer. And the first time that was, was when I went on the dance floor and I tried to make fun of typical dancing. So I did really exaggerated dance moves like the sprinkler and the running man <laughs> or whatever. But people were loving it. And I thought, I went out here to make an ass of myself but you guys are loving it. So that's the pro tip, I guess. Just go out there and make an ass of yourself and people yeah, love you it. Just, you just kind of get it. into it. That's what it's all about. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Logan, besides dancing, <laughs> why are you here? What's what? Who is Logan? Yo, this why enigma. Do, why do we care? Uh, yeah, and you also have a movie coming out about you soon. Yeah, Logan, and then the remake of Logan's Run, both documentaries about my life. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was a bad joke, but thanks for running with it, Logan. You're yeah. a good guy. Um, wh why do you? Why should you care? I guess because I have played almost every board game, and I'm also you've played like every board game. Wow. I, yeah, that's a really tall thing. But I don't know. You guys, when I was you single, Logan? No, I'm not. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that you were in a relationship. Yeah. Do we talk about that right sure, now? Sure, yeah. I have a boyfriend named Billy. Do y'all play board games together? Yeah. That makes it easier to play every board game. Right. I, I need a couple more uh, hardcore board gaming friends where I could just say like, all right, I want to try Twilight Struggle or whatever. Can we just try that tonight? Whereas with my group of friends, you get a lot of like, hey, I'd like to play this tonight. And everybody's like, cool, yeah, I, I'll play that. And then you get a lot of people like, well, I don't want to play that, but can I come hang out? And it's like, I'd really like it if you, when you came, you didn't, you weren't distracting to the thing we want to <laughs> do. I did that with Null Hack where I wanted to play test it. And a couple people were like, yeah. And then the other people were like, cool, well, well I'll just come and I'll not play and we never it was like 11 30 at night before we got to play and everybody was already tired and it just super hurt the play testing session yeah cool so you play a lot of games yeah, I guess, okay so to, to rewind it back it's obviously an asinine statement to say i've played all board games but i have a large breadth and depth of gaming experience and that's why everyone should care if they do i also am on you know a bunch of other podcasts sbj's other podcast the pokemon podcast it's super effective it's super effective that's the one kind of a big deal right it's a good one over 250 episodes there's another offshoot podcast of it's super effective which is definitely a cross-section of the two groups here which is mythical where it's an actual play D, &D podcast 
I'm on every episode of that so far, dot, dot, dot. Now, Mythical's different than Dungeons and Dragonites, right? No, that's the same. Or is that the same podcast? Dragonite is a copyrighted term. For Pokemon. Yeah, we rebranded uh, as of season two to Mythical, which is not already a podcast term, so that we could have a very unique place and term. Because, uh, yeah, offending two groups. Lawyers. Yeah. You're just getting lawyer proof. Right, a little bit. So, yeah. So, we're that's on season two-ish, because we had a season 1.5, which was definitely a full season, but whatever. You're about to start a new podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is what I've been excited about. Sean told me about this, and I want you to talk all about it. Okay, so Secret Podcast Project, that will be an actual play podcast, but we're going to be changing up who's running the game, the system that the game will be in. It's basically a completely random setup all the time. So it's like a long format version of Yes And, because we're all going to add details to all the characters in a sort of a random fashion, and then just have everybody react to what kind of crazy things are going on. I'm excited about it. I was reading a good article on this old school Renaissance blog called Grognardia, <laughs> which is about OD&D. He talks about sort of this trend, the shift in D&D from randomness to more storytelling driven. And he prefers the randomness, which is like old D&D is not even the referee or the judge or the DM is really in charge of where you're going. <laughs> He's just there to have fun and find out what happens too. And that's why there's so much more randomness. Whereas in sort of more modern games, everything's about the campaign and the story and where we're going and moderating your pace and not revealing too much or, or not letting the PCs accidentally screw everything up. <laughs> and he sort of lamented that. And I'm sure, you know, there's people who don't play that way now, but I think he was saying it was more of a staple of older plays, randomness. And so I like any sort of actual play type of thing that involves that. Yeah, we're definitely not going to have optimized characters in any way. Everybody's going to roll random race, random class, random, random nice. stats. Characters should be very ephemeral, like, we're hoping that we have at least a couple of deaths per season. Right. Have you started recording this super secret podcast? We recorded just like a test recording thing. I have definitely started... An episode zero, if you something will. Something like that. Something <laughs> like that. Uh, I've got a planned document together because I was selected as the first DM. So I'll be DMing initially. Man, I really hope all this comes to fruition now that I've like put it out in the ether. <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> There is a psychology research out there, social psychology, that says if you say something that you're going to do, you're actually less likely going to do it. Yeah. So don't be that person. It's the opposite of what people think. People think, well, if I tell people I'm going to do it, then I'm much more likely to do it. But that isn't true mm -hmm. at all. You guys know why that is? Because it feels good to tell people. You get the endorphin rush. Yeah, you get the reward from the validation. People are like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, sweet, I got the whole reward of actually doing it without doing it. <laughs> so now I'm not so motivated to do it. So Logan, now the pressure is right. on. <laughs> What's the percent that this super secret podcast will never happen? The percent that it'll never happen is very low. Everybody's really on board and super excited. And we have a date set and a time to record. It's not like it, it's going to come out like next week or anything, but we're we're definitely going to record the first episode sometime here in the next week. We want to build up a back catalog in case anybody has to take a week off or whatever. I'm really excited about it. We've got a logo down. Most important part of a podcast is having a good logo. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got a really, <laughs> really choice logo going on. <laughs> Thanks. Speaking of which, I kind of want to talk about this. I want to talk about favorite role-playing podcasts. If you've listened to a lot of different role-playing podcasts and the good parts about role-playing podcasts and the worst aspects of role-playing podcasts. Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. 
For instance, for me, my favorite Dungeons and Dragons RPG podcast has always been Harmontown. Mm. Now, I haven't listened to a whole bunch of different RPG podcasts, but I listened to Dungeons and Dragonites, now known as Mythical. Mythical. I've listened to Board with Life's Adventures in D&D. I've also listened to... You've listened to some of the Penny Arcade uh, Acquisitions, Inc., right? Yeah, and just through those, I think I've developed a sense of what aspects I like from some and what aspects I dislike from the same. And I think combining those would lead to an amazing RPG podcast. Mm. You're just talking actual play podcasts. You're not talking podcasts yeah. where they like interview designers of RPGs, right. that kind of thing. My favorite actual play is definitely The Adventure zone it's real phenomenal it's got a great following of tons of like artists that do nice drawings and the you know it's the McElroy brothers and their dad yeah oh, that's right yeah yeah I've heard amazing things about that yeah it's it's really good Griffin is a great dungeon master and then the other guys on the podcast are very creative with what they come up with I just really love the community around it too they just released like it's they're getting a television show did you guys hear that yeah I can't wait man it's gonna be like three weeks or something before it's out yeah, what's the name of their actual podcast? My Brother, My Brother, and Me? Yep, my bim bam. My Brother, My Brother, and Me. I've been saving all my excitement for the new Castlevania animated show on Netflix oh, by Warren Ellis. I'm really excited about that, too. So excited about that, too, <laughs> Castlevania. <laughs> looks actually good too which is- i haven't seen anything about it i subscribe to warren ellis's newsletter and so every sunday he like sends out a thing of like what he's working on oh uh warren ellis the he's the writer of the new castlevania show he's that big comic book writer and now i guess a television writer when i heard about it i was like what because <laughs> he's just got such a weird career and i've been playing a lot of like old castlevania recently on my uh, hacked 3ds <laughs> so i've been on our real castlevania binge because symphony of the night's one of my favorite games and I've also been watching Vampire Hunter D's. I don't know, it just sort of came out of nowhere and I was like, this sounds perfect. <laughs> Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, one of my favorite movies Ooh. of, oh, definitely favorite animes of all time. I shouldn't say favorite movies, but it's in my own personal collection. And I only have 20 movies that I ever keep in my personal collection. Hmm. Something I should probably do with my games, but that's what I do with my movies. Oh, I love that. Huh. I actually just put Ninja Scroll on my phone. Ninja Scroll is the movie I've seen the most, more than any other movie. <laughs> I love it so much. There was a time where I could recite it back and forth. Crazy. What's your destination, stranger? No place in particular. I'm looking for someone, and you look exactly like him. I'm a vagabond named Jubei Kibagami. Die! Know that they won't leave you alone. You have already killed one of the eight devils of Timon. I actually have a really hard time coming up with what my favorite movie is when people ask me because it changes from day to day. I, I wouldn't know what to do if I only had to have 20 movies. Uh, Tarantino dominates my collection. Mm -hmm. Inglorious Bastards is one of my favorite movies of all time. But we're talking about yeah. movies. We should be helping you with your super secret RPG podcast <laughs> and talking about what we like about these podcasts and what we don't like about these podcasts. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, the hardest thing... I think about running actual play is it's very similar to telling people about your dreams. <laughs> it's like the most interesting thing in the world to you and nobody cares because role-playing games have to be experienced to be enjoyed. Otherwise we would just go write fiction, right? Most role-playing sessions are not good fiction. They're good game. Those two things are totally different and they feel similar when you're in the middle of it where you're feeling like this is a really cool story. 
But the truth is the pacing's all weird and there's all these <laughs> personal moments where you feel cool and validated, but you forget the moment where you're like, you zoned out for half an hour because the thief was going on a solo mission. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't super interesting. Or when you guys argued for 20 minutes about how to get out of a hole in the ground. So like, there's a lot of unique challenges in, in actual play podcasting to sort of get over that hump. Yeah, I think one of the things I love about the Adventure Zone is it's highly edited. Right. I was going to say that's one of the key things you got to because my big pet peeve is the numbers when everyone rolls their own dice. All right. Well, I rolled an 18, but I have a bonus of five <laughs> and I don't need to hear that. Yeah. First of all, that takes me out of the immersion. But second of all, if you're going to include the numbers, don't include all the math. Just say, I rolled a 20. And one thing that Harmontown does, the dungeon master, Spencer Crittenden, which Sean and I met at XOXO, super nice dude. Am I right, Sean? Back me up. Absolutely. What he does is he rolls the dice for the players. That way, there's no math. He does all the math for them. So it's very Dungeon Master heavy. He says, you rolled a 20. Yay! So it just really keeps it flowing. So they can just do their improv, hilarious storytelling. And that doesn't have any editing. And that's how they're able to get away from the hmm. editing. That's my personal opinion. So when I hear the math, I just think, oh, shoot me. <laughs> you guys just literally spent three minutes of your podcast looking up if you're supposed to spend your strength bonus on this skill check. I, I don't need to know the inner workings. Yeah, I need to edit that out for sure on this. I'm going to say, like, you pointing out that, you know, it's like a dream. That's very accurate. And now I'm, I'm just now realizing how poorly a completely random RPG podcast could go. Okay, so here would be my completely unsolicited advice for you, which is that we have a tendency as GMs to ask people to roll for everything. Like, I open the door, and it's like, okay, roll a dexterity check. And then they roll a two, and it's like, you run into the door, you're an idiot. <laughs> and the way I think it, it works is make your rolls really count. Try to say yes a lot. Okay, you see the castle on the ridge, and they're like, okay, we sneak up. And it's like, all right, you're really close. You found a really good hiding space. Cut to the action, right? Yeah, that's good. I don't think the randomness is bad. I just think only roll when the stakes are high or when a partial success would be interesting. Otherwise, let them do it. And it's not like a power game or fantasy thing. It's just like, do you really want to have your PCs rolling around, like falling in holes, tripping over rakes, doing all that stuff? <laughs> because statistically, you've like forced them to make all these rolls. Right. That's really where I think it could go well, is just cut to the, the interesting The most parts. exciting thing that you said, Logan, was that you said your podcast is very yes and, yep. which is that improv rule of never saying no but. Oh, we're walking through the woods and we come across a car. No, but we're skydiving <laughs> and you just totally derailed everything yep. someone said. With the exercise of yes and, you're acknowledging what someone is saying and then you have to build on top of that. And that's amazing, hilarious, adventurous, tense. It takes skill to do. Yeah, oddly, saying that the podcast is gonna be like a randomness podcast, I think that taking out the randomness of actually playing the game actually enhances it quite a bit. Then everybody's just responding to the random things that have happened. And it's funny because I think it's hard to say how random things will be because players have a real ability to draw things together into a cohesive whole. Mm -hmm. It might seem very random from like your rolling perspective, but actually being thrown into a situation where it's like, okay, I'm in a tavern and there's insane crocodiles here. There's a burning orc horde on the way. Wait, 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 wait. I think we need to take a little time to appreciate the example that you just made up, Sean. All right, gather around, party. We've got a real dilemma on our hands. This tavern, these crocodiles, they're insane. 
Where the hell did they come from? Oh, great. We just lost Wilhelm. Yeah, could this day get any worse? What are we gonna do? How does that bard just sit there keep playing his lute during all of this? Rosma! 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 I bring news! Yes, what is it, Maeve? There's, there's an orc horn, and it's right here, right now, to this tavern! Damn it! As if these insane crocodiles weren't enough! But there's more, Sir Razmar! What? what else could there be? They're, they're, they're burning! They're on fire! Wait, what do you mean, they're burning? They're on fire! They're just spreading it everywhere! They won't stop! Damn it! We're just screwed, aren't we? Like, those could have all been randomly generated, but you find a way to make that real because your players have to respond to it like it's real. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, I'm totally going to use the uh, random RPG generator that you made, Sean. Oh, thank uh, as, you. As, like, some of the things, because that's... it's Sometimes it just comes up with some real, really interesting stuff. <laughs> I retweet anyone who says anything negative about it. They're like, this thing sucks. It all sounds stupid. It's <laughs> like, well, you know, it's, like, free, and it's randomly generating all this crap, so I don't really care, but... Totally, that's worth a retweet, just people complaining. On my random D&D character generator, it's so funny because people only respond to the bad characters. Sean, totally plug these random generators that you can find on Twitter. The first one's random D&D. It's just at random D&D. And these are just uh, random hexes, like... The bard sings of an overrun library cursed with a horde of tritons. Your sensei said the one true empress of life was beaten nearby. Like, That's like, like, doesn't that just write a novel in your head right away? <laughs> it's so, it's so good. It's really fascinating to follow and listen to people because a lot of people will respond to them and just keep on going. It's really cool. Oh yeah, yeah. People throw in, you know, every now and then I go in and add a couple more adjectives or, or new monsters or whatever. But the big thing is this is just supposed to help you get off to a good start. Like, take the part that's interesting to you and sort of run with it. But it's just so funny to think about the internet because on my random PC, I think it's called at Bot, it does these terrible, terrible PCs. People only respond to the bad characters. They're like, a ninja with three dexterity? That's stupid. But nobody's ever <laughs> but like... the best. Yeah. yeah. The best. Like, I would love to play a ninja with zero dexterity. <laughs> uh, three dexterity, rather. That would be amazing. That's going to be the best part of the random encounter thing. All of them will be responding to their character just being not good at their job, which is different than D&D normally. You know, you're normally playing people who are very, very efficient at what they do. We now bring you the worst ninja ever. Hey, I'm a ninja. I'm gonna gonna sneak around, if you don't mind. Don't look at me! That was the worst ninja ever. We can all agree that min-maxing sucks for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So many reasons. It just ruins the, the story. The problem-solving. Yeah, like, I'm not there to make an awesome character. You guys ever done an escape room? Yeah. I think those are fun because it's hard. There's real problems, and there's no mechanical way you can sort of get out of it. Now, if that's not the way you play D&D, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you to change. But what I enjoy is really difficult encounters and knowing that your character might suck. And not role-playing like I'm an idiot if I have three intelligence, but just knowing that there are certain things mechanically that are going to hinder my character, and they're going to need to think to get around those. If someone starts min-maxing a D&D game or RPG, I just think... Dude, just go play a video game on easy mode. That's not what this is about. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, uh, I'm running a campaign for a bunch of friends. I'm really loving it. I made like level 20 character sheets for them at one point, but level 20 characters are impossible to challenge. And I find like the closer that anybody gets to that, the more you're just like, ugh, you're just going to change to a T-Rex again, huh? Just eat up all these things. <laughs> One of the last things I backed on Kickstarter was this game called Godbound. And what it is, is it assumes that the PCs are level 20 characters when they're level one. You're near godlike. And so your abilities are things like, like when you roll damage, that's not how many hit points you do. That's how many people you kill. Whoa. So if you roll a 12, you just like kill 12 people. But the problems you're solving are like, this flood is going to destroy this port, you know, this coastal city. But if you go save those people, then this other city is going to be sacked by barbarians. And so it's just saying, like, let's keep the mechanics hmm. simple, but let's assume that you're playing these super, super high level demigod type characters. And how does the game change? Like a Justice League sort of deal? That's... Yeah, exactly. You could totally run Justice League with that. In this way, it almost comes full circle because once your characters become so powerful, there's no enemy that can really cause any tension. So now it's all about creating situations on the GM's part to figure out how to get around this particular situation. Just like you have to do if you're a ninja with dexterity <laughs> three. It's like, well, I can't fight this guy. I can't sneak around you're him. You're totally right. I got to figure some way. So it's weird how it has that whole circular nature to it. When you really suck or you're too great, you got to use your mind. <laughs> I really love one-shot adventures. I love campaigns, but I love it if they're threaded together with one-shot adventures. Because when I listen to role-playing podcasts, I hate jumping right into the middle, not knowing what's going on, having no connection to the characters. But if I can get connected to a micro story, like on this episode, they have to get through the tavern without getting eaten by the werewolves or something like mm-hmm. that. That's my improbability. Probably why no one will ever invite me to an improv <laughs> podcast. But the idea is that, oh, in this episode, I know that the main obstacle is going to be just this one thing. I'm going to listen to see how they get beyond it. So little snippets instead of just this long thread, because then there's always these slow parts where they end up talking about how they're going to tackle something that won't even happen for three episodes. Speaking of one shots, why don't we talk about Gloomhaven, (laughs) which to me basically seems like a one shot adventure. Oh, wow. Let's go into the table talk and hear Logan talk about Gloomhaven. Speaking of role playing games. Yeah. For starters, Gloomhaven, it's definitely the most fun I've had playing a board game since the first time I played Betrayal House on the Hill or the first time I discovered Werewolf. It's become an obsession. Which is super high praise coming from the guy who just claimed only 15 (laughs) minutes ago that you've played every game. game. All board games. Okay, so the Kickstarter was like 65 bucks to get this big old game. It feels like it's five years of content. You cannot exaggerate how big this box is because I got this big ass package for Amazon. And at first look, I thought it was my Soylent. Like, oh, the next month of Soylent's here. A whole month worth of food. (laughs) You could... No exaggeration, kill someone easily by (laughs) dropping it off of a four-story window onto their head. They would die via Gloomhaven. It's roughly the size of an air conditioning unit in a window. Yes, yeah, that's a really good comparison. (laughs) You talking about dropping it out of a window made me think of that. Yeah, there's just innumerable things in there. It's got legacy elements. I don't even want to say legacy elements. It is a legacy game. 
It's campaign or legacy. I, uh, wh- what is the difference between campaign and legacy? I think games? a campaign would be like you have a character sheet that may be done after it's over, but your character can grow from game to game. Uh, and I would say legacy games, the game itself can grow over time, which is Gloomhaven. Whoa, nice distinction, Logan. You are fancy. <laughs> There are stickers for the board. There's a map board. When you discover a location, you put a sticker on the board so you know that your characters know the location of that place. There's other stuff that you can add to. Initially, you have about six classes of characters you can have. What are the classes? What are the classes? They're weird. That's one thing that I really like about Gloomhaven is that none of the classes are strictly like warrior thief. There's like a mind taker who's sort of like a rogue, but also has mind control elements. I play the Tinkerer. He makes little robots, but he's part healer, part AOE damage. He wants to get all the gold in the dungeons. So there's a lot of like little splashes of other stuff, but it comes together in a cohesive thing. What's the theme? What's the feel of it? Is it Cthulhu Dungeons and Dragons? Is it a lot more skeletons, orcs? Like, like what is the feel for it's, it? You know, like there's a big difference between Shadow Rift and Dungeons and Dragons, and I'd say there's a big difference between Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer mm-hmm. even. And then there's definitely steampunk. So what kind of genre do you think it just all falls into? I think this is mostly a Tolkien fantasy sort of deal. There are a couple of extra races, and it's got like steampunk elements and a little bit of Cthulhu thrown in there for good measure. Kitchen sink. Yeah. It's a, it's a kitchen, kitchen sink, sink But thing. it all feels like the, the world has a voice of Gloomhaven, and I think the writing is actually pretty good for a board game fantasy setting. Like, I've laughed a couple of times at some of the dialogue it's presented me with. It's a gloomy world, and bad stuff is happens more than it doesn't. Sean, start nailing Logan with questions. Why play this instead of d d It's... A shorter format, I think that it it succeeds in a lot of ways. One, it's got two really good mechanics that are, to me, brand new. I don't know if I've I've ever seen them before. Uh, Another is you can jump in and out. You say jump in and out, you mean like somebody can go make a pizza run in the middle of the game? No, I think what he's saying is Stu can't make it to our regular Gloomhaven night, Mm -hmm. but we can Mm. still play without Stu. But wait, Sally is available on Mm -hmm. next week, so let's bring Sally in. Okay. Absolutely that. It's very, very easy. You're probably going to retire your character around level six from, from what I've seen, but the difference between a level one character and a level six character isn't huge. A level one character can still help out. Also, the difficulty of the dungeon is set by the average of everybody's level, so everyone can feel like they're contributing. Yeah. What are these two mechanics? You said the two mechanics. Yeah. So there's the way that you find out if you hit, which is sort of a deck building game that determines if you hit, is your characters. Your character owns that. Basically, there's a miss, there's a crit, which does double damage, and then there are negative two to negative to plus two as the other cards. But you can add or subtract from that deck based on other mechanics in the game. So if you do well in a scenario, you might get check marks, which eventually lead to you getting a perk, which affects your to hit deck. My Tinkerer has a check mark that replaces a minus two with a plus zero. Whenever you hit somebody, you just roll off the top. And it's like you're rolling a 20-sided die because whenever you get a crit or a miss, you reshuffle the deck. But it's not exactly because you can alter it. So it's like you have a customized dice that your character can like level up. It's really cool. Then the other thing is the actual cards that are your deck. You have all of them in your hand at once, but they are also your life. So you have hit points, but you also have your cards in your hand. 
but is that card gone after you play it? So therefore you're one step closer to death every time you play a card? Well, sort of. If a card's very powerful, it might immediately remove itself from your deck, or they might just go to the discard pile. When you use them normally, they just go to the discard pile. But to get your discarded cards back, you have to take a rest action. You lose permanently one of those discarded cards. The average size deck is 10 cards, so you get to play basically five turns, and then you have to take your whole turn to long rest, get rid of one of your cards, and now you only have nine cards. So you have a limited amount of turns in this game before your character is exhausted and doesn't have anything else he can do. Now, does it refresh in between missions? Yeah. Okay, so next time I have all 10 of my cards again. Right, exactly. Gotcha. Ooh, man. It sets up this thing where every dungeon feels like you're right there. You just barely won or you just barely lost. Every time that we lose, which happens a lot, I feel like I learned something about my character. Also, your character always grows because all your cards have experience points on them that you can get while you go. So you got a little bit closer to leveling up. You got a few more check marks to make your rolling deck better. So when you lose, you don't die. You keep going. Do you have to do the mission over again? What's the penalty for death? You can redo a, a scenario as many times as you want. If you die in the middle, the rest of your companions can keep going. There was only one time when all of us were sort of looking at one person while they played a board game, which wasn't the best, but it doesn't happen often. So it, it, this is the big difference between D&D, because this plays like a board game. Right. All right, very cool. Oh man, I'm getting excited <laughs> to crack into my copy of Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's real good. Gloomhaven, one to four players, and it says an hour or two hours. Ages 12 or greater, designed by Isaac Childress and published by Cephalo Fair Games. Now, it, <laughs> it says it plays one to four players. What do you think this would be like with one player? One, If you play one player, you're playing two characters. So it's just like two player, except that there's only one brain. Gotcha. Cop out. Yeah, a little cop out for the one player. So a two hour dedication, at least you'd say for one game of Gloomhaven, yeah? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Yep. But totally worth it because this is the game that you've been ejaculating on since <laughs> sliced bread, as you said. I think Gloomhaven and games like Gloomhaven or Kingdom Death are filling in the, the void from where D&D 4th edition sort of crashed. Yeah. That it's providing this role-playing experience, but that has a lot more mechanics to it, which I think a lot of people like. And it's got like this tactile feel, right? You have these cards, you have the art, it's all physically just right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of crossover between people who want to play a role-playing game and people who want to play a role-playing board game because they're totally different experiences. Yeah. So I think I already know the answer to this. Have you played Descent before? Yes, I have. Gloomhaven beats Descent. Hands down, easily. So easy. Gloomhaven beats Imperial Assault. Imperial Assault doesn't have an app yet, but right now, absolutely, it, it does, yes. The second edition of Mansions of Madness, Gloomhaven? Gloomhaven beats it, yep. I, I love that game, but Gloomhaven beats it. And do you think people would objectively agree with you that every satisfaction they get from Descent, they'll get it and more from Gloomhaven? Is that what you're claiming? With Descent, guaranteed, yes. Mansions of Madness? That's sort of a different sort of experience since it, it occurs in Lovecraft world and maybe you're looking for a specific kind of monster or a specific kind of storytelling. But mechanically. Mechanically, Gloomhaven defeats it very soundly, yes. Well, you know what? We started this podcast by saying we're not a review podcast, but it sounds like we just reviewed the shit out of Gloomhaven. <laughs> well, I love that game. I believe you, and you're allowed to say that. 
Well, man, we're out of time. We milk this cow for every drop it's <laughs> worth. We have to do our exit handles, and where should they write us, Sean? Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. If people want to get in touch with you, Logan, since this episode <laughs> was mostly about you, how do they do that? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Logan Jenkins. You can check me out on the Mythical Podcast, or sometimes I'm on... Pokemon podcast. It's super effective. And sometimes you're on this podcast, which sometimes we're on Twitter at play TKG. Sean, how do they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sean McCoy. I'm Alan Girding. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Alan Girding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. So with that being said, this episode is... <laughs> It's pretty good.